In our study of this series that we have titled Understanding Current Events in the Light of Bible Prophecy, we have seen that the next prophetic event to occur according to the Bible is the rapture of the church. Christ is going to come from heaven bringing with him the spirits of all believers who have died from the beginning of the church age to the moment of the rapture. This event is not to be confused with the second advent of Christ because Christ does not actually land upon the earth. As we've repeatedly pointed out, Israel still has seven years to complete the 490 years as God's administrators that is revealed through the prophecy of Daniel chapter 9. In his prophecy, Daniel revealed that the 490 years that they were going to be his administrators, were divided into three periods of time, with the first 49 years being a time of trouble. The second designation of time was to be at 483 years when they would kill the Messiah. Then there would be a final seven years for them to conclude their Israel administration. The 400 an 83rd year was completed on the 14th day of the month of Abib in 30 A.D. So the second phase of this prophecy of Daniel was fulfilled to the day with Israel's replacement as administrators and then the prophecy of Isaiah 28 concerning the cutting off of Israel and their uh, disbursement occurred 40 years later with Israel's dispersal in 70 A.D. The church age began on the day of Pentecost in 30 A.D. and is to continue till the rapture occurs. Revelation chapter 4 harmonizes with 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 16 and 17. With the absence of any reference to the church after Revelation chapter 4, and the similarities of verse 1 in 1 Thessalonians 4:16 through 17 it makes revelation 4:1 the best possible scripture reference for the timing of the rapture in the book of revelation and a clue to where the church is going to be during the tribulation let me point out that the mention of the church is found in chapters 2 and 3 of Revelation, but once after Revelation 4, and that is later on in the book. Revelation 4.1 said, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Now look at the statements after Revelation 4.1. Revelation 13.9 says, And he who has an ear, let him hear. No reference to the church. Notice how this corresponds with how Jesus used the phrase before the establishment of the church during his earthly ministry before the day of Pentecost. Matthew 11:15, Matthew 13:9, Matthew 13:43, Mark 4:9, Mark 4:23, Luke 8 verse 8, Luke 14 verse 35. All of those passages say, He who has ears, let him hear. But there is no reference to the church. Because the church had not yet been established at that time 
when Jesus was making these statements, it was in the plan of God, but did not become reality on the day until the day of Pentecost in 30 A.D. This is the evidence that the church then is not present during the tribulation, or John would have used the same phrase to the churches in chapter 13. If the church is not here during the tribulation, then it would make sense not to say, He who hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Another thing to note in the book of Revelation is the distinction between a Jew and a Gentile, that is, between Israel and the ethnics. We see believing Jews and unbelieving Jews, believing Gentiles and unbelieving Gentiles, but during the church age, Paul said in Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. With the book of Revelation distinguishing between the Jew and the Gentile, and the fact that the church is not mentioned as being here during the time of God's judgments, it's a pretty good indication the church is not present on the earth during the tribulation. There isn't a reference to the church after chapter 4 until we get to chapter 19, where the church is identified as the bride of Christ coming with Jesus from heaven to establish the earthly kingdom. Now, because of all this, it's believed that Roman, Revelation 1, uh, excuse me, Revelation 4 verse 1 is a reference as to where the rapture fits in with the timing of the events in the book of Revelation. We see that it's before the opening of the seals, the judgments of God, and thus it's evident for a pre-tribulation rapture of the church. Revelation chapter 4, beginning at verse 1, reads this way. After this, I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was, as it were, a trumpet talking to me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show you the things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat upon the throne. In Revelation 4, 4, we have this. After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. The voice I heard first speaking was like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. The command, come up here, is considered to be the place in the book of Revelation that the rapture occurs, because from that point on, there's no mention of the church. This being a reference to the rapture is also supported by the statement, and I will show you what must take place after this. After what? After John was taken up to heaven, but also after what he had just seen described concerning the judgment of the church as we see in chapters 2 and 3 of the book of Revelation. The panorama of the impending church history. So after these things, that is after the church age, 
then these are the things which must be. The similarities of 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17 with Revelation 4, 1 makes Revelation 4, 1 the best possible scripture reference to the timing of the rapture as we read it in the chronology of the book of Revelation. 1 Thessalonians 4.16 says, For the Lord himself shall come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left behind will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, so shall we ever be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. First Thessalonians 4.16 says it loud and clear. The command to John in Revelation 4.1, come up here, would seem to be the same as First Thessalonians 4.17, a catching up or a snatching away. Although John himself was caught up and returned, it's not the Greek word harpazo, but anabino, which means to arise or to ascend. Verse 2 makes it clear that John was taken up to heaven. Therefore, verse 1 of Revelation chapter 4 appears to be where the rapture takes place in the book of Revelation. But let's look a little further at it. There is a voice and a trumpet call. First Thessalonians 4.16 says, For the Lord will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. At the rapture, we see Jesus coming from heaven with the trumpet call, with the voice of the archangel. Look at what John says in Revelation chapter 1, verse 10. On the Lord's day, I became <clears throat> in the Spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. Now look at Revelation 4, 1. After this I looked, and behold, before me was a door standing open in heaven, and uh, the first voice I heard speaking to me was like a trumpet, and it said, Come up here. There's a door open in heaven. Verse 16 of First Thessalonians 4 says, For the Lord himself shall come down from heaven, and Revelation then four one says, After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven, and the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. We see in Revelation four one, along with first Thessalonians four sixteen, a voice like a trumpet. We see with Revelation four one John being told to come up to the throne of God, up to heaven. In 1 Thessalonians 4.16, we see the church being caught up to go back to heaven with Jesus. We see in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, that Jesus said he would come back and take those that are in him back to heaven, back to the Father's house. Add to it the fact that in the book of Revelation we see no mention of the church between chapter 3 and chapter 19 
when the church, the bride of Christ, is seen returning from heaven with Christ, then putting all those things together shows Revelation 4.1 is a reference to the rapture of the church. There's no other place in the book of Revelation that will match up with what we are told in 1 Thessalonians 4 concerning the rapture, and it occurs before the tribulation begins. Now look at this when we compare it with the church at Philadelphia and what was promised to them. That church represents the church period just before the last church period, the Laodicean age. Under the angel of the church in Philadelphia write these words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David, what he opens and no man can shut, and what he shuts no man can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut it. I know that you have a little strength, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan who claim to be Jews, and they are not, but are liars, I will make them come and fall down before your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that's going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. Again, we see the mention of a door in heaven. This door is mentioned being open for a reason. Here Jesus said that he would keep the door, uh, the church rather, from the time of the hour of trial. That is, to remove the church from it altogether. The phrase is out of, not out from. Nor does he say it will keep you through the tribulation as the post-tribulationists view the segment. No, out of it indicates that we never go into it. In our attempt to understand Bible prophecy, we must recognize the distinctions between Israel and the church. We've reviewed those distinctions during our study. At the rapture, those distinctions become more visible because at the rapture, the church is translated to heaven and Israel continues here upon the earth to finish out the final seven years of the 490 years prophesied by Daniel for their administration. So we'll focus on the prophecies related to the church in heaven while the seven-year tribulation is playing out here on earth. And after we see what's taking place with the church in heaven during that time, then we will look here as to what's going to happen here upon the earth. There are two major events following the rapture of the church. Two major prophetic events that take place in heaven following the rapture. Now, although they are related to each other, each of the two events have their own distinct narratives. These two events are described as the judgment seat of Christ and the wedding or the marriage of the Lamb. The summons to both of these events are performed at the same time. The rapture will be the fulfillment of Jesus' statement, 
Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. John chapter 14. The rapture serves as the means of summoning believers as soldiers of the cross to appear before the reviewing stand we have identified as the Bema seat, also known as the judgment seat of Christ. At the same time, the rapture serves as the event related to the bridegroom where he goes to the home of the bride and takes her to his father's house where she is prepared for the wedding, where the wedding is performed, before then they return together to the home of the bride for the marriage supper or the marriage feast that takes place. The judgment seat of Christ is the event at which the works of the believers of the church age are evaluated. The gold, silver, and precious stones identified or purified by the evaluation while the wood, hay, and stubble burn. The judgment seat is likened to a military review of the troops during the commendations being awarded to the troops and commissions being made parallels what we see occurring with the church. It will be here that the rewards for faithful stewardship are presented and assignment roles are made for both the millennial kingdom and the eternal kingdom from those that make up the bride of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning at verse 10 says, According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, Paul writes, I have laid the foundation and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon, for other foundation can no man lay than that is laid which is Christ Jesus. Now if any man build upon uh, this foundation gold, silver, precious stone, or wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Know ye not that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? The wedding of the Lamb is related to the judgment seat of Christ, and this evaluation of the believers also serves in the purification preparation of the bride for the marriage to Christ. This is referred to in Revelation chapter 9, beginning at verse 7. Let us be glad and rejoice, and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And he saith unto me, Right blessed are they, which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And the Spirit saith unto me, These 
are the true sayings of God. Although the rapture serves as the initiation of these two prophetic events, there are those who deny that there will be a rapture, and one of the reasons they give for holding that position is because they say the word rapture does not occur in the Bible. Well, I might comment that neither does the word trinity appear in the Bible. The word rapture comes from the Greek word harpazo in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4.17, and it's translated caught up. It means to seize or snatch, even to seize forcibly. The Greek word harpazo is found 13 times in the New Testament. This Greek word was translated to the Latin with the Latin word rapio by Jerome in the Latin Vulgate, and that's where we get the word rapture today. Some find the idea of a rapture a simultaneous sudden snatching away of millions of people to heaven without dying difficult to accept. It just seems too strange, too bizarre for some to believe it's true. After all, they say, nothing like that ever happened before, but that's not quite true. Many were surprised to learn that according to the Bible, there are at least six rapture events in history. Let me summarize. First, we have the rapture of Enoch, found in Genesis 5.24 and referred to in Hebrews 11.5. Second, we have the rapture of Elijah that's recorded in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 1 and verse 11. Third, we have the rapture of Isaiah in Isaiah 6, 1 through 3. Fourth, we have the rapture of Jesus through his ascension from earth to heaven in Revelation 12:5. Fifth, we have the rapture of Philip, who was snatched away or raptured not from the earth to heaven, but raptured from one place on earth to a different location in Acts chapter 8, 39 through 40. Sixth, we have the rapture of Paul, when he was caught up into paradise and then returned to the earth. When Paul spoke of being caught up to the paradise and returned to the earth, that is the word rapture. He knew what he was talking about when he wrote about the rapture. He had experienced his own personal rapture. In that, of course, he came back at a timely uh, a short period of time in order that he might con- continue his ministry. He couldn't wait for believers to experience what he had known. He said, as a matter of fact, there was a thorn in the flesh given to him to buffet him, to keep him humble, and to remind him he was not to tell us about the things that occurred there. It's important to understand that the rapture of the true church is still future, and that it will be sudden, literal, and it will be shocking to the world. Many have suggested a secret rapture. Now, while it's true that the rapture will be sudden and unexpected to the world, it will definitely leave 
much in the world in a state of of shock and perplexity as they attempt to explain where all these people went and why these graves were open and what some testified to as seeing uh, with Christ coming in the air. Graves will be broken open and many planes and vehicles no doubt will crash and much of the world economies will nearly collapse, if not collapse altogether. That, of course, will trigger the rise of the Antichrist and will bring a temporary feeling of peace and safety as people give up their freedom in search of protection. But that peace will not last long as the Great Tribulation begins and the mark of the beast, the number 666, is revealed along with the identity of the beast himself as identified in Revelation chapter 13. So the course that we're going to chart in this study, that will be then to investigate what goes on with the church following the rapture. We need to get an understanding of the judgment seat of Christ and to understand the marriage of the Lamb. These are the events that immediately follow the rapture, and they provide both information and inspiration for those of us who are identified as the body of Christ, and then at His coming to take us to His Father's house to be identified as the bride of Christ. So in this study, we will examine the judgment seat and all that occurs under that term, and then we will look at the marriage of the Lamb and what what occurs under that term. As we have said, there's no prophetic event that must take place before the rapture can occur. The prophetic events that we are seeing today as part of the preparation for the rapture is the preparation of the stage and of the personalities that are involved in today's news. They are the stagehands. They're prepping the stage for the final seven years of Israel's administration, the tribulation, or as Daniel identified it, the 70th week of Daniel. The rapture could occur at any time. Just as the bridegroom arrives unannounced, so the Lord will come and snatch the church away. The rapture could occur at any time, just as the troops were summoned on occasion to the Bema seat to stand in review, to have commendations given, and to have commissions appointed, to have the bride prepared for the wedding, and for the wedding to occur so that at the end of the seven years, we can return with the bridegroom, with Christ himself, and the fulfillment of what we find in Matthew chapter 24 and 25 as they wait for the bridegroom. But it all begins at salvation. The Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Bible says, With the heart man believes unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
Jesus is coming again.